Welcome to the Registered Investment Advisor Podcast, where financial services marketing expert Seth Green interviews experts, executives, and top producers to share can't-miss tips on how they successfully manage their financial service firms, grow their businesses, create great relationships, and influence the industry. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by Brandon Reese from president of TBS Retirement Planning. Brandon's been a client advocate in the areas of risk management, retirement planning, and financial education for over 20 years. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Seth. Great great to be here. Uh, Pleasure to have you. Let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get into the business in the first place? Yeah, so uh, the funny things happen, you know, when you have a, a path set before you, um, when you're, uh, you know, a second year guy in uh, Air Force ROTC and you start meeting people when you're you know, half part time at school, part time at, at uh, in the Air Force and you run into a guy, he's like, you know, you can make some part time money, uh, you know, doing some insurance. And I'm like insurance, that stuff, you know, where you, you have to have it. You have to have, you know, he goes, oh, yeah, he goes, they always have cars and they always have houses and they're going to make more of them and you can just keep doing it. So, uh, yeah, 20 years ago, I got my insurance license by just meeting a guy. It was told me about it. So that's that's how all this started almost 20 years ago. <laughs> wow, that is absolutely incredible. So you got into you got sucked into the business, and I would imagine you probably worked somewhere first, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I worked for um a small, um, just a property and casualty mom and pop type uh little uh, insurance company down uh in Rollett, Texas. And what we were doing is we were working with home builders and we're working with some large companies. So we worked with some very large insurance carriers and companies to help um clients out that were building new houses and cars. So I started out working for a guy, learning the ropes, right? Getting coffee. Um, I was the only guy underneath the age of 60 in there. So we had a palm trio <laughs> that I was learning how to sync with oh whatever notice mode was. So breaking styluses and we had a thermal fax I upgraded to a paper fax so yeah I was the IT guy the coffee guy and the insurance agent so that's how I started this that is awesome um wait one point did you decide to graduate from being the low man on the totem pole and then ultimately leave to start TBS once again you know when you start talking to people they listen and they give you this advice and sometimes you dive in and sometimes that you don't um, so I worked through the ranks of uh, working, uh, started actually going to get my investment license. I was making referrals as an insurance agent to these guys and they were like driving nicer cars than me and they were playing at better golf courses than me. Like what's going on? Hey, we do everything for clients. We do everything. But you can't start here. You got to go somewhere else first. I'm like, wait. So they sent me down the road of the large big three and the, the ones you're supposed to have on your resume. And, you know, I did that for 10, 12, 13 years, almost uh, 15 years, and then realized one day that, you know, just doing one thing wasn't great. Also working in corporate wasn't great. How could I take, you know, Wall Street and bring it to Main Street? And so what I wanted to do was to bring that level of service that I learned for all those years and do it for people right here in my hometown. Small burg of, you know, 7 million people here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Yes, small for sure. So how did you then build um, TBS? Obviously, you had to hire people, you had to bring your clients and then get more. Talk a little bit about kind of you've had an interesting journey along the way. Absolutely. So um, the interesting thing happens when you're actually doing consulting along with um, doing a a financial planning. So a few years ago, 
I got my consultant's license to where I was actually, I'd stepped out of financial planning actually. And I was actually going through financial planners and showing them how to do what we call now FinTech, which was looking at financial technology and then trying to integrate that into practice because technology folks don't speak financial planning real well. And financial planners, we're just trying to figure out how to get our emails to work, right? So we sometimes don't speak that same language. So I was a universal translator, per se, between those two groups. And at that time, I ran into this concept of what it would look like for me, myself, to actually purchase a business and to take my clients that I have had and kind of migrate that together. Difficult because you're you're splicing maybe two cultures into one. So as I was looking at it, what I looked for was company culture, people who love people, cared for their clients. And then, uh, of course, my expertise has been in retirement planning. So I wanted uh, two things, a place that I could have that would be look like and have uh, some employees already there, have sort of the skeleton you know, in the pl- pieces in place. But I also wanted a place where I could do what I really love doing, which was being on the stage and presenting. So I found a gentleman who was uh, two years away from retirement. And he said, listen, all I need you to do is to fill my shoes and I, I want to introduce my clients. And then we basically kind of merged that practice and uh Next thing I know, I wake up and I'm the president of TBS. So not a few things happen between, but that's sort of how it happened. I was evaluating a business and ended up buying it. So, you know, crazier things have happened, I guess. <laughs> that, that is very true. And I'm sure there were quite a few things that happened. Um, the longer version of that story should probably be in a book somewhere. Now, you are, in addition to, obviously, the College of Financial Planning, you also have worked through the Exit Planning Institute to become an exit planning advisor. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that was sort of uh, initially, it was out of need. So you have an interesting thing when you work uh, primarily with uh, retired clients, retirement clients. People come to you and they say, I'm a business owner. What does that mean? Well, I have a small business. Now, the small business might be small as in revenue, but have a lot of employees, or it may have a lot of employees, but be small in revenue or vice versa. So what happened was a few business owners was like, I need to sell my business so I can retire. You know, everything, my car is in the company name, my credit card that I use, everything was tied in and there was no logical way to extradite that money from the business. And so I would talk to an estate planning attorney. That wasn't quite right. I would talk to a business valuation expert. That wasn't quite right. And then who has the capital to buy that? So there was these bisecting lines. We really couldn't figure out how to do that. So I it was introduced to this, uh, at the Exit Planning Institute and they created a formula, an actual certification that you could walk through with other planners who've been doing this for 15, 20, 30 years to show at a client how to get the max maximum value when they sell and then take that money and turn it into personal wealth. So the Exit Planning Institute taught me how to do that. So I'm so grateful for that community. And again, it's it's wonderful now to help clients who are a little cash poor, but their business is worth a lot of money. So that's a, actually a common problem. So I'm, I'm happy to help with those folks. Awesome. Now, over the years, you've written for Morningstar, MarketWatch, Investors Business Daily, U.S. News and World Report, AARP, Kiplinger's, a lot of it, financial advisors and registered investment advising firms would kill for that type of press. Um, how did you pull some of those off? Yeah, so the, uh, first of all, I just have to be grateful. I always think that no matter what I do and what you see, there's probably five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people who just work tirelessly to get to where um, you see those things happen. Um, so for about eight years, uh, I was what you would call a ghostwriter. So I would sit behind a, a pen and paper, and there was a gentleman that I was working for. He's a is a great speaker. He he taught me how to actually carry myself. He used to hold a clicker when I would say um and uh, and make sure I didn't say words the wrong way, and he would throw things at me whenever I wouldn't uh, enunciate the right way. You know, one of those like you know, great mentors. 
But I was able to actually edit and look at a lot of his. Uh, he wrote articles for the same news outlets all over. He was on Fox News and he was on actually PBS. And I realized for a moment that if I looked at things from the client's lens and not from the industry's lens, that all of a sudden it got picked up a lot more. That's what I noticed from him. So a few years ago, I began writing white papers on my own. I began kind of recording my own sort of like, you know, Brandon's private podcast, you know, collection to hear my own thoughts. And then I started working with a with a PR company and they said, hey, we got to figure out a way to get this out there. So they started actually blasting it to three or four or five different outlets saying, hey, this guy getting the first one's the hardest, guys. That's the hardest one. It was it was actually think it was U.S. News and World Report. You know, it wasn't like the Sheboygan Times or something. Right. So it was actually a, a good one. And then another one picked up and another one picked up. And then recently I got into USA Today just this last couple of weeks and it was published in 204 outlets. And so I'm just blessed that I just had a team that worked really hard to get that out there because my goal is to make sure everyone knows this, this great information doesn't do any good in our heads. So again, encourage you to keep. So I wrote about uh, almost 50 articles before my first one got published. So there's the real story. Yeah, that, that <laughs> is the power of persistence. Talk a little bit about the team that you've built. Yeah. So what we have is is uh, in my office, uh, we kind of separated. Uh, we use a system called EOS, which is, you know, I'll give Gino. Yep. Wick- Gino Wickman's been on the show. I love Gino and his team. So love you, Gino. So I went to a few of those EOS conferences uh, and I was able to figure out if if I looked at this business as an operating system, my mechanical brain can do that. So the first thing that I did when I uh, purchased TBS was I was able to take the, the duties and say, here, here's the marketing side. Um, here is the operation side. And over here is the financial engine, right? So there's three bubbles. And what I did is I got some people that are really trusted to actually speak into my life. And they're actually uh, trusted directors and, they, and we built those out. And then underneath those folks, um, we're able to, to either hire in or we actually built out, for example, the financial advisors. Um, I hate the word report up too, but they actually, uh, I am their trusted servant. So I make sure that I'm serving the advisors and we have an, uh, all of our folks that do the operations. Uh, our operations, uh, um, uh, VP of operations manages that. And then we also have a professional speaker who is also our treasurer, which is a phenomenal um, a way to have people do the same things. But the treasurer is a is a great position to make sure that the, the cash flow is working right. Because if I get into the weeds over in the financial side or in the weeds on, on client applications, my mind cannot be clear enough for me to make decisions that are big picture. And so I can be the visionary that I need to be. So again, it was, is letting me be the visionary and trusting people beneath me to do the things because I support them. Only the org chart are they beneath me. Everything else is an upside down pyramid. I support them. That's my line from Gino there. So. (laughs) Yep. We have used that line often. Love it. What are your challenges now? You've achieved so much success for yourself and your clients and your firm. Uh, What are you running into now? You know, one of the hardest things that I've found is I told you before that I was sort of like this fintech guru and I find myself, you know, balancing. There was a, a podcast I love. Uh, his name is Jay Sheree. He, he's on uh, calm.com. He's been wrote some great books, but he is a Buddhist monk that really was meditative. And all of a sudden he had to, to figure out how to share this information with us folks who are running around 100 miles an hour. But he had a podcast that was very, um, I would say, impactful. We talked about effectiveness over efficiency. And so um, if I make four right turns, I can avoid the left-hand turn that causes, I'm that guy, I, I get in my head a lot. So as all this technology has emerged and you have CRM and you have some type of data that actually sends client data, or you have some type of uh, you know, uh, service that sends posts for you on, on social media, 
there's great things in all of that, but we spend so time, so much time trying to be efficient, we lose our effectiveness. And he talks about the nothing box where sometimes you just got a vision. So I think we fill up our schedule with so much stuff and so much time and so much effort that we are finding. I find myself over planning and overthinking things. Imagine that a financial planner overthinking. I know that I'm the only one that does that. But if we're honest with ourselves, if we don't have time to get within ourselves and, and be meditative or at least, you know, stop from pause. We are not doing our company or our team's good. So again, my biggest, uh, the biggest delta between me and my uh, success is the space between my two ears. That is absolutely the truth. What your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? Um, you know, I love changing people's lives and I have a story I love to tell. Uh, and I actually just saw this couple a few weeks ago. And you don't realize the impact that you have on people. But the, the client was like, I am not going to retire until my house is paid for. I'm just not going to do it. And he wasn't in great health. In fact, he had a bad health report. So his wife and I began working and working and working and working and, and making sure the budgets were right, sort of hiding money from one client to the other is not good. But for this purpose, he was trying to make sure that she that he wasn't spending the money on other stuff while she was trying to help him. So on our last meeting before he was thinking about retiring, he got a retirement package, but I can't do it. In my office, they del- she delivered to him the deed to their house. He cried. She cried. I cried. I mean, yes, I cried. I mean, my mascara was running. I was everything was going. Every, it was just everything. Why? It's because you speak to people all the time. And you don't realize if they're being if they're listening to you or they're impacting or being impacted. But I changed that family's lives. We found out later that gentleman actually had cancer. And we found out later that had he had stayed in that stressful environment, he might not be with us anymore. So I'm just blessed to be able to impact that family's lives. And he got to get out, enjoy life. He lives in a beautiful house in East Texas now. I love that client like they're on my own family. But that's the point is if you don't realize how many things that we impact because we touch their finances, we touch every part of their life. And that is the most impactful is we can care for them. So my passion is how I can be compassionate for clients. If I'm not passionate about what I do, then I, it is impossible to be compa- to have compassion for my clients. That is a beautiful, beautiful way to phrase it. Um, For our folks who are watching or listening and want to learn more about TBS, where is the best place for them to go? Yeah, so we have a website that's uh, www.tbsretirementplanning.net. I'll say it again because it's long. So www.tbsretirementplanning.net. Uh, on that website, we have all the articles that I've written. Um, we have a lot of the information on there about our, we do workshops, we do free workshops and seminars. Um, we're doing them uh, right now in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Very soon, we're going to be doing some uh, webinars and things like that. But um, great information, some articles on there. And, and most importantly, we do have information for you on there about some of these topics. So we want to give you something even before you make a commitment to us. I always tell prospective clients and folks that come through, I want to make sure that I give you something before I ask you to take something back. So before you become my client, what can I give you uh, as a resource? That is wonderful. Uh, This has been Seth Green with Brandon Reese for tbsretirementplanning.net. Brandon, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Seth. Appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. We will talk to you or see you next time.